Okay. So welcome back to the Seeker Shrimp Podcast. Uh, today's one is going to be slightly different. Um, and it's going to be in podcast form and it's going to be on YouTube. We, the original plan today was going to talk about uh, warming up, warm up protocols, the importance of warm up, uh, different things you need to take into account when you're training in different environments. But um, we're going to do something very different instead. We think people might want a bit of a break and a bit of a change from the monotony, especially if you're caught in like COVID craziness. Um, so today, we've been asked a load of times to do a rerun or kind of an overview of a rally we did two years ago like yeah two and a bit years ago um we drove from our home in cork uh over to mongolia in a nissan micra and we drove back to cork again uh an 18 year old nissan micra by the way yeah 2000 it was zero zero wasn't it so Nissan Micro from the year 2000, four-door, 1.2-litre beast of a car. So what we're going to do today is we're just going to have a chat about the rally. We're going to look at some pictures. So if you're listening to this and we're referring to pictures, you can go and check this out on the Seekashent YouTube. Um, But we're basically going to talk through it. We're going to talk through what the best parts were. We're going to talk through if you and a few of your buddies want to do something like this, what you should be looking out for. Um, and tell a few stories as well. So, Gareth, do you want to kick off with the kind of genesis? Oh, also like pre-rally. Okay, yeah. so um, what happened was it was it was the universe telling me. I'm not joking you. This was like just fate, right? So I was sitting at work at my desk, and I remember one of my friends was just brought up the Mongol rally, and I'd vaguely heard something about it, and he was like. Yeah, oh, his brother did it, and he was, or something similar to Mongol Rally. I, th- I think they just, yeah, it was a charity rally to Mongolia or something. So I was like, oh, I'd never, I didn't know the Mongol Rally or the League of Adventurers did their one or whatever, but I'd heard of people doing it. And I was like, geez, I'd love to do something like that. And then, honest to God, two weeks later, you and Todd, Todd was the third member. Okay, Todd is, um, you can see on my screen here, I think. Which screen is sharing? Is, can you see? Uh, what are you seeing now? Yeah, yeah. Oh, perfect. So Todd is the third member of a party and uh, Fitz and Todd unbeknownst to me had decided they were going to do this and they were looking for a third member. And I remember thinking, after I said that to your man, I was like, I'd love to do that. That'd be just unbelievable. I was like, I couldn't imagine. I was like, who would do it with me though? And I'm not joking. You two, three weeks later, you and Todd were like, yeah. we're doing the rally. And I was just, in my head, I was like, I think after like five minutes, I was like, all right, I'll do it with you. I have to. I was like, there's just yeah. no way. I was like, I was figuring out everything. I was like, it doesn't matter. I'll figure it out. I'll it has to happen. So that was like Christmas or um just Christmas twenty late twenty seventeen. And um you and Todd had decided that you were doing it and um I had to start everything on work or whatever. Yeah, the funny thing was is like I myself and Todd so Todd had a red micra that we used to drive to school in, um, like the exact same car, except that his was a two door instead of a four door. Uh so since we were like seventeen the Mongol rally had been a thing in our heads that we kept saying like, okay, we'll have to do this at some stage. Uh, So then it just came like, I was selling the gym. I was finishing my undergrad. Uh, Gurf, I don't know how you managed to get five weeks holidays from Lily, but you managed it. Toddy was finishing a degree. Um, So it was like this aligning of planets. Um, And when the two of us were looking at like, looking for somebody we were like jesus you're gonna stay in a car with them for seven weeks 
you can't just willy nilly send in a text to a group chat and be like lads who wants to come you know it, ha- it has to be very well thought out um and i think the three of us worked very well for like for different reasons um the, but the team dynamic worked quite well so that level or that kind of organization and getting people like had you you'd never met before had you i de- no i never met todd um i'd never met todd before this um i, I remember like I think we just started talking about ZMA, about doing something. I remember we were yeah, like... Yeah. It was that September. I remember that we were... It was still kind of warm. And I remember you said um, you were looking to do something because you told the gym and you wanted to do something else. And I was like, oh, I'm... I'm I was like, I was thinking about doing something, you know. And then we started that and we were still kind of... Seek of Strength wasn't a thing yet. Um, Well, the genesis of Seek of Strength was. And then... Um, yeah. It was just basically, long story short, it was decided that we were going to do it and we were figure out logistics later. So Todd was basically the person who did all the logistics in terms of yeah, yeah. what dates, when we were leaving, where we were going. Like Todd just loves doing that stuff. And me and Fitz don't long story short. <laughs> so we got our visas anyway. So the visas took a lot of hassle. You had to go to like um, the Iranian visa in Dublin, send off yeah, our passports. Yeah, the Russian embassy in Dublin. We had to go up there twice or three times maybe. And then a company in the UK. So this is like one of the tips, basically. If if you're looking at doing something like this, there are companies who will do like your batch of visas um, for you. So we sent our passports away for a month or two and they'll they'll go around to all the London-based embassies and get your visas sorted rather than you having to go to them individually. Nothing, um, is, nothing is more harrowing than posting your passport oh, away to random man. people in embassies. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's just the start of it because you end up having to hand your passport over to incredibly corrupt people who are looking for bribes from you and you're trying to get either in or out of your country. So um so this is speeding up, so this is um I think this is just when you're leaving. So basically yeah. I couldn't get enough holidays from work, right? So this is uh early July. Um we had the mic ready. Remember Fitz collected me from the gym one day after training, you like just got it that day, went for a spin in it. The excitement, lads, I'm telling you, from months yeah. beforehand, I was literally just vibrating for months just thinking about the absolute mayhem. Um, so this is just two or three days before launch. I had I had also gotten my head shaved for charity to raise. We did it for a charity for the lifeboats in Crosshaven. Um, so there's Fitz, particularly Jack there, I suppose the head shaved. The two boys yeah. shaved their head before. Uh, I didn't because uh, no way. So I remember... You're afraid your hair wouldn't come back. We were like... I was I made I was like going to meet you in Romania in um Budapest you know or Bucharest not Budapest this is the problem and you were like we were joking like ha ha you'll end up in Hungary waiting for me instead of Romania but and at the same time I was like no they could end up in Romania or in Hungary waiting for me and not Romania yeah so this is he about to launch off right and uh, setting up the car we had literally clothes I gave you my bags of clothes. We had any sort of survival kit you could possibly need. Half a spare micro in the car. Well, what we did, like, we bought a spare micro. So we bought a spare car, dismantled it here at my house. And then it was, like, taped onto the inside of panels. It was strapped to the underneath of seats, like, spare shocks, uh, spare coil pack, spare alternator, spare water pump. Absolutely everything. A spare sump. Like, everything possible that you could need from the car was strapped inside the... So luckily, um, 
myself and Fitz would be reasonably handy with cars. Like mildly, we'd be like. But my brother was was or is a mechanic or whatever, and and my father is incredibly handy. So we made the roof rack. And, uh, our brother, my brother, gave me gave the car once over and serviced it. Um, thank God he did. Yeah, thank God the brakes. We, we also didn't have any brakes. No, it's just like drum <laughs> brakes, like, and they were nearly unbeknownst to us. Obviously, they were on the borderline of just not working anymore. Like, yeah, mile one out of fifty thousand miles or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is. So he drove along to UK, got across the channel to France. Yeah. Um, f- whatever. Just Europe was fairly uneventful, I suppose. Um, he just camped side a road, ate cans of spam by the sounds of things. Um, yeah. I and was he like drank a lot of cans as well. Drank a lot of cans, and so I f- I was flying to Bucharest, uh, to meet the boys, and they're collecting me in the airport, and I remember landing in the airport, right. And just the absolute mayhem of Bucharest Airport. It was just like, there was a, whatever particular time of day, it was incredibly busy. And I was like, I hope the lads are here. No reception. He no reception. I, I, it wasn't that hard to find you once you were at the airport's pretty small. And I remember just the mayhem of that airport. And I was like, this is it. I was like, I'm, my body is ready. And so you were like, he collected me or whatever. And you had to get the token. You know, we were in the, in the multi-story car park and just people like, honking shouting at each other they were going on between two people do you remember that and then (laughs) and then the car park attendant the fellow working there came over and so we were like oh he's going to stop them fighting he got into one of their cars and drove off and stole their car and then everyone just started chasing him and just so fucking funny (laughs) so this is us filling up in Romania um yeah so plowed onto Romania went to Bulgaria um they fucking unbelievably pretty countryside in Bulgaria just absolutely obnoxiously pretty the thing uh, one thing we might have skipped over is like uh, probably one of the best things about the rally in terms of like what the company uh, the adventurous organised for you is the launch party Um, and so like this is one of the things because because Gurf couldn't get holidays he kind of missed out on but what the launch party basically is it's in um Oh, what's the name of that city? Prague. So it's in an amazing city for like a huge party. And then you get 300 odd people who are about to drive around the world in tiny cars. So you get a a, a fairly mental, eclectic group of people. Of all ages, um, by the way. Of, of all, all ages. ages. Yeah. That's very important. And of all kind of, of all clans as well. So you have people who are really into cars. Then you have like the kind of gap year really posh English people who are uh, just never driven a car before looking for an experience yeah and then you have like whatever class we fell into um, the sheer naivety yeah, so of some people was just great like showing up with one spare tyre and a van that they bought somewhere aluminium allies uh, yeah so like the launch party is there's a post-apocalyptic community outside the city of Prague um, it's on like a hundred acre piece of wild ground and it's basically this commune of people that go there at the weekends and they have like their holiday weeks there and they live there in tribes and they've built up this like Mad Max post-apocalyptic world. So the adventurists buy this place off them for two days, set up a crazy, like it's like Alice in Wonderland on acid 
launch party like it is absolutely mental it's in an old army base so there's like missile silos where they have raves there's they fly in mongolian mud wrestlers like it's it's highly worth it just for that party like one of our friends flew over for the party because we knew girth wasn't going to be there so that is one thing i would say is like you pay a small entry fee but it's well worth it for that <laughs> and so during that i've been updated but like a recurring theme of this trip right is todd was the first victim of diarrhea or was it you Phil? <laughs> who was it? was it you or todd no i got it really oh. bad in in europe yeah so- and it was for, like it was from eating spam and it was from eating like freeze-dried meals that i wouldn't leave deep like fucking refrost or whatever because i'm putting boiling water in them we'd be driving all day because getting like europe is very boring so we just drive across like all day long and then we go on the piss every night and then keep driving. Um, but I'd obviously be shitting my brains out from <laughs> loads of free dried food and like just trying to fucking beat off hangovers all day long. And so the lads made it uh, to Bucharest on time, collected me in Romania and then the mayhem began. I'm going to be careful the yeah. audio on some of these. So this, right, so went through Bulgaria um, oh, Jesus, make sure the audio is not. I'll have to turn off the audio on some of these. Uh, so um, th- one of the coolest parts of the rally, right? And if you can see it on your screen here, by the way, the phone I had at the time was like a Samsung A20. So um, I've come up a lot in years in quality of cameras, right? Digital. But this is the Mediterranean Sea, and then is it the Caspian Sea or the Black Sea that meets in the middle? So this is the kind of the land bridge know, where yeah. driving into Istanbul, right? So this is one of the coolest moments I remember driving down here. Um, this was so so much fun. So we're we're driving um into Istanbul, one of the coolest cities I've ever been in as well. Just so fucking cool. Yeah. And this this is really it, like getting slapped in the face by like you know it's it's one of these moments where you just like, what the fuck are we doing? We're literally driving to the bridge, like it's a bridge into another world, another like continent. At least it's, it's the um separation. So Istanbul. At least they drive in their own lanes in Istanbul. One of the things Turkish drivers do, and it's a team throughout the rest of the world, is as soon as the light goes green, you immediately beep at someone. There's no point <laughs> giving them that 0.5 of a second. Oh, so here, right, this is in Istanbul walking around. Um, we, we got to our finding our Airbnb was near impossible. By the way, we had no Google Maps or anything. There's no, we had no, like, no data, no Wi-Fi. Or, um, so, so we've... We drove through like loads of random side streets in Turkey. Um, loads of people have been like, Istanbul's really dangerous, be really careful, you know. And we were like, ah, yeah, whatever. So then we, um, yeah. eventually we found it just by sheer accident. And we get up to this uh, Airbnb and your man is like a suite of apartments. He's running a hotel as an Airbnb, like, you know. And, uh, and that's why it was so, remember, it was so hard to find because we kept walking past being like, no, no, this is just an apartment block. But in fact... It was just they'd taken a few apartments and like made hotel rooms in them. So the receptionist is there with some like lackeys hanging on in the background chewing on like macadamia nuts or something. And he uh, gets one of those like cartoon maps of, of Istanbul and it was three lads. So he made some assumptions and he wasn't far off, to be honest. But he goes, he looks at us and he's like, uh, so he's like down here. He had a lisp as well. Um, He was like, down here, you can get anything. Or sorry, he's like down here, restaurants, you know, um cool tourist shops or whatever but he was like up here you can get anything but it was the lisp and he kept saying anything and we were like anything. and we were like oh yeah yeah he's like down here you know restaurants but he kept saying and he was like 
anything up here. He was like, anything you want. And we were like... this, Like, this divide he's talking about is, in Istanbul, there's the old city, which is kind of where we were staying, which is all the old mosques. There's, like, the old markets. There's pretty nice restaurants. But then in the new part, it's, like, fucking Vegas in the Middle East. Yeah. Um. So he, like, that's when he's like, you can get anything and we're like no no we think we'll just go to sleep and get some food and he's like anything so then we got this random looked really nice place just some random hotel with a restaurant at the front on the street and uh i will say one of my skills is to um not overreact and just like i can ignore anybody i want and it it became so handy over the course of the rally because in reaching over as we got our food for want of a better word, a young street urchin, I'd say he couldn't have been more than nine or ten, started pulling at my sleeve while I was eating. But um, I just kept eating, to be honest. I was just like, he was dressed in like fresh clothes and stuff. Like he was, it was clearly a scam. Like just before anyone thinks I was ignoring a beggar, like he or like someone, a homeless person. Like, yeah, he, I didn't know what the story was, but he was that. Uh, he, he was persistent. Yeah, he was very persistent. Like, um, and in this, like, obviously a different culture for us, like, but this, the usher came over, the maitre d' or whatever came over and like backhanded him. Like not hard, yeah. but just once or twice. <laughs> he like caught a fistful of his... We were like, holy shit, like fucking... Um, that's the only memory of that restaurant. So then we just went to a rooftop bar and got some... Um, some oh, hookah. What's, what's, what is it? Hookah. Hookah, yeah. Oh, this is... So there's this sign here. It's called You Fuck Baby. <laughs> <laughs> so it's obviously for kids and obviously means something in Turkish. Um... So there, yeah you'd hope so I fucking and um, so. that was like the old market in Istanbul it was yeah. just closed the day we were there because it was their Sabbath or whatever um so um, this is actually a very good rep so this is just Istanbul again right so we're driving we stayed in Istanbul for one or two nights we messaged some gyms and they were like oh yeah you can definitely come train but we didn't have a lot of time but uh so if you see the dash here right we cut this dash out to make more leg room because you, is Todd six foot plus as well or even or He's about the same as me, like just over six one. Like we're not all five nine and a half in the car, like so. Um, <laughs> so to make leg room, we opened it up. However, this made it was a bit of a disaster because the hot engineer was blowing into us, and it got much hotter after Istanbul. So we're just driving around Istanbul here, trying to driving for basically the all the way across Istanbul. Yeah. Um, I'll see if these are. I'll just play these away in the background. So, drove through Istanbul. Anything sticking out your mind about Istanbul? No, like probably the next the next big thing after that then was the border crossing into Iran. Um, and that was like, that was our first big border crossing. Like the Turkish border, you'd stop. We were there for maybe two hours or an hour. They were searching cars. They were looking through things. And we were like, oh shit, this, this border is pretty mental, you know, because up until that, it had, it had all been European borders we were going through. Um, but then you get down to the kind of tail end of Turkey and what you're like the border between turkey and iran at this time is uh so from the british consulate it's closed is what they're saying it's like a travel advisory not to go there um but we're like fuck it we actually save a good load of time if we can just cross that border into iran so, so we kind of made a decision what so the iran turkey border was closed wasn't it or yeah. officially and so officially closed so we just made the decision we we try it but but we we couldn't go to the Turkey Armenia border either, right? Because they had uh, been skirmishes and they killed people or something. Like they'd been skirmishes in the army, do you know? So we were just like, so you go like yeah. Armenia, Georgia, 
because I think the Iran-Armenia border was closed as well or something. So like, we were just like, it's a gamble either way, so we'll just chance the border. Yeah, and that's like that's exactly what we did. Our kind of tactic was getting to the borders late um, when there wouldn't be as many p- people there. So I think it was around like probably midnight when we were pulling up to that Turkey-Iran border. The last 20 minutes... And all right, so the night before we obviously pulled into a beach, and that's the pictures you're seeing now. But the night before, by the we way, pulled into a Turkey beach, is we, yeah, Turkey's gorgeous. Oh, it's so pretty. Um, yeah, so we like that. We camped the night before with the like sole aim of getting rid of all of our alcohol. Um, because <laughs> <laughs> having one of our main sponsors at Stonewell Cider for the rally, um. And then having accumulated large amounts of, of alcohol over the few, the few weeks up until this point, um, we had a bit of drink left in the car. So we had an almighty session on the beach in Turkey. And then we went for the border the next day. Oh, hang on. Here's Fitz singing. This? Probably hammered. No, we don't need to listen to this. It's too late. Uh, yeah, so... So yeah, but that like that border was probably like it's one of the more memorable border crossings. So for the last half an hour as you're approaching Iran, there's Garfield no top on. <laughs> there's Todd. There's Fitz. Shout out to Nolan's uh, powerlifting. Yeah. So yeah, we, but we anyway, as you're wait, like, wait, hang on now. Sorry. Step step back a minute now because Istanbul nearly killed the car going up some of these mountains in the heat. So it actually did, yeah. It nearly overheated, like it just this tunnel, I remember this one, nearly killed the car. Like, genuinely, I'll see mm. if I, if this will play. It should play in a second. But, like, so, obviously, micros aren't meant for an average of 40-degree heat or whatever. Like, we're barely making it up this hill. I have no idea what elevation above sea level we are. But and this, this micro isn't standard either, like, Joe. It's been tweaked a little bit. Like, it's been opened up. It's a straight pipe exhaust with no catalytic converter. It's faster than your normal micro. Um... <laughs> But it's still like they're incredibly steep hills. It actually has a way bigger air intake than a normal micro too. So if you think the air intake for a normal micro is probably like the diameter of the top of a Gatorade bottle, um, the the air intake for this was probably an A4 page wide. Like, uh, so the the car was well able, but these hills and mountains were absolutely crazy. It genuinely nearly killed the car sometimes like we really were you're talking about first and second gear and like the speed hours. people local drive is uh was criminal like absolutely it like you know when you're in other countries you're never really driving you know and um oh yeah oh so this brings this is a good time to mention um Fitz is deathly allergic to bee stings <laughs> wasp stings wasp thing oh sorry wasp stings yeah. so so we uh <laughs> there was this team where like if you saw a wasp in the car we had to get out because obviously Fitz's EpiPen was out of date or something and we weren't going to take him to mini hospital but here's this a random so we had to if there was a wasp like you had to like vacate the car until it got out <laughs> and there was wasps everywhere because it was a late summer but um here we have fucking just a micro in the middle of nowhere right okay so this is the first of a ran i wish i took more pictures did you take many pictures yeah 
I took a good few, but my camera wasn't great. So like Fitz is saying, anyway, we arrive up to borders late at night just so we can get you a little faster and they'd be a little bit lean, more lenient, right? So the journey to um, the Iranian border was absolutely, was tense. Like it really was tense yeah. because we were, Syria was like in the height of its uh, civil war at the time and ISIS were a big thing. Um, Afghanistan was like 50 kilometers to the south or something to the border. Iraq, we, wasn't it? Iraq and Afghanistan were like very, yeah. very close. Very close. <laughs> Armed army checkpoints every 10, 15, 20 kilometers. Like there was police with sirens driving, like absolutely flying down the motorway. Yeah. Um, just convoys just flying past you. So like the <laughs> Turkish people on a whole were very, very pleasant. They were very, very nice. Like most of the people who were in the rally. But when the nearer we got to the border, it got really fucking tense. Like people were not so friendly anymore. Yeah. And we were like, we were driving, I was driving well, in the middle of the night on the way, obviously to get to the Rand border. And something that looked like a hand run across the road. And I was like, oh my God, I'm hallucinating. Because like, I didn't know if he saw it, but both of you saw it as well. But basically what we'd driven over was a, a wind scorpion or, or a camel spider. Like just, yeah. oh my God. And then Fitz said the thing I knew he would say. And he was like, it's probably on the bottom of the car now. And I was like, <laughs> It looked like from the Adams family, you know, that hand that walks around the house. Harrowing. Harrowing. Yeah. So we, we, we get to the Iranian border, um, make sure there's no drink in the car. Um, big searchlights, huge walls, like all searchlights alongside the mountains and hills. We're like, fuck, this is going to be really serious. Um, get to the Turkish side and your man is like, just, we're sitting in the car, you can't see us. And your man was, Todd was like, do you want to see the lads? And your man was like, nah, stamps and passports. He was also like, oh, we're not sure if they let you in. And you can't come back though, but we couldn't come back. Fucking story, so. But like, if we if you go through the Turkish border, like obviously you get stamped out, and so then you're in like no man's land or whatever. Yeah. So you you no visa, you can't get back to the country. So we were like, we have to get through, you know. So then we got into uh, into Iran site, and basically we just had to stay there all night because someone else had to come in the morning. Was it? So yeah, when we arrived, because it's not really a manned border or whatever. Um, they just had a few people there and we were trying to get in and we were like we were told that you'd have to pay some stuff at the borders which is fairly standard um, and he, they, we were obviously kind of shitting ourselves um, so we went in we were talking to a few people who didn't speak English and they were just like oh you're just going to have to sleep here and then they, they just told us to sleep in like the search lane um, so we just pulled up the car went to sleep in the car there's like packs of wild dogs. Remember that girl? No, I missed them. Around. I was sound asleep. I didn't see them. Oh my god! They were just packs of like things that looked like Alsatian bear killing wild dogs. Yeah, and uh, and then sure enough, like six thirty a.m. the next morning, someone knocks at our windows. Uh, it's like the guy who runs the border crossing. He Bobby puts the boxer us in charge with these two. Um, yeah, Bobby the boxer was his name. He puts us in contact with these two, like, human smugglers. <laughs> they essentially were, is like, what they were. They were, basically. Uh, just yeah. two dodgy guys, like, uh, they were really nice. They had some English. We paid them some money. They paid Bobby the Boxer some money. And then they got us to follow them. So they hopped Wait. into a taxi and they were like, follow us, follow us. No, hang on a second. Reverse back. So this Bobby the Boxer fellow, right, was... um this man in his 50s and he was in, in immaculate shape hands like shovels hands to rival Fitz's hands right um, clearly had been an athlete at some point in his life of some form yeah. or another and we, which you could guess the way he carried himself his posture t-shirt tucked in, or his shirt tucked in buckle like just 
great posture yeah. immaculate shape vascular in that way that older men are um, who've done a lot of stuff in their life and um he just for some reason just took a massive liking to fits and randomly throughout the thing he just like jump fits and be like like fake punch just start shadow boxing like yeah because we found out anyway we were like the other some of the other security guards are nice to him there um they were like the, what the fuck's the story with him and they showed us an old picture on his phone of him back in the day like back in the day it was a black and white photo now of him yeah with a belt on like in boxing attire like you know after like with gloves and stuff on and he'd like some belt or some cup or something so he'd obviously been a fairly decent boxer or some form anyway mm. and uh he just like grabbing chunks of fits of fat and being like you know like just like just, like this it was so he just funny loved it he and then, loved the crack so then these lads took us basically into the like the shipping lane like all of the arctics all of the trucks driving this tiny little mic around the place and we were like oh my god took us to loads around the buildings paid two or three different mm. people and like honestly i'd say the lads are drunk as well by the looks of things yeah around opium or something so we got through the border any eventually uh, after lots of bribes and then iran was just very pretty it was also yeah we thought turkish drivers were intense they were so so wrong we'd been up for hours obviously iran was of mythical proportions in our mind pre-entering because no one we knew had ever been to iran and lots of people we met in the rally were like oh no no we're not going to iran because any americans and british couldn't go at the time and probably still can't but um yeah i think the thing with the brits uh so americans just weren't allowed go i think was the thing and then with the british guys they they had to have a a guide with them at all times um and i think that was just like that's obviously just very very messy um whereas everybody loves irish people because we're incredibly non-threatening <laughs> but on the smiley irish face like so um however you know what was very threatening was the way iranians drive so like it's on screen there you like you can see this truck right but this could be coming around the blind turn and there'd be a car passing out, another truck passing out this truck and then the car would be trying to pass out both of them on the other side of the road. And <laughs> Turkey were safe but aggressive. Iran, Iranians were just aggressive. Just straight up yeah. unsafe and aggressive. Um, Like, Todd pulled over and was like, someone else has to drive. Because we'd been up for hours and Todd had been the last to drive, you know. And I can remember um, Fanula rang me or whatever and like, just the sheer stress of that situation. I was like, I can't talk to you. We just we have to go. Like, because yeah. this is, they were just... I don't know if this video like one or like one night we saw three crashes in a row and there was our first our first evening in Iran multiple multiple fatalities like one was a school bus and there was a lot of kids on the road it just happened like they had blankets over them Um, so they were like we're just driving along a road there's probably a 15 foot drop on each side of the road it's like through agriculture land and there was a few cars crashed on the road but a bus had basically turned over into the field um, and they were like, as Garf was saying, they're literally dragging out uh, bodies out of the bus. Like we saw flipped Arctics, just like people, no regard. Here's Fitz looking no. like Ming the Merciless from um, Flash Gordon. If anyone knows who that reference is, Fitz was looking like a mere, like an evil villain. Fucking weirdo. Here's yeah. me looking fabulous with my uh, quick dry shirt. shirt. So this was, this was looking at uh, Tehran, the capital of Iran. What was the name of that? It was like the heights or something or something top of of tehran something like that yeah um like iran was just this is one of my favorite photos i've ever taken the same in my life this is there's a little yeah. micro I, we don't have that many photos of the micro but there it is a little plucky micro um 
just this random plateau in the middle of the desert and cheetah crossing signs just iran was so cool to see to be honest um yeah uh, what i would say is is it's it's (laughs) your driving license uh iran is is nothing like what we told what we were told iran would be like um like you kind of hear everything before you go you obviously hear about all the warnings and look they're obviously going to be heeded um like one of the funny things about when we were in Tehran, the capital city, we went for a drive around uh, and we couldn't find like, so they have the US embassy, the same, like everything, the exact same as the day they raided it. And we couldn't find it anywhere on the maps. I don't know. Do you remember this, Garf? We couldn't find it anywhere on the maps. And the reason we couldn't find it was because when we were searching for it, it didn't exist. It now exists as something called the den of espionage. So then when we found that and it's like, all the walls are graffitied with um like just burning american flags yeah uh with like really really harsh like but it's bullet holes in the wall violent yeah and like so there's like the empire state building except or sorry the what's the name of the statue statue of liberty yeah uh the statue of liberty is there but like the person is a skeleton and it's like rotting away uh and then, like, when you look in through the gates, we didn't actually go in because it was closed. But when you look in through the gates, like, it's still, like, burnt out sections. There's smashed bits of wall, bullet holes everywhere. Um, And then, like, the anti-kind of British stuff is, like, the street the British embassy is on is called Bobby Sands Street. Um, And for people who aren't Irish or aren't British, Bobby Sands was an Irish Republican. Um, So an IRA member who went on hunger strike was like fighting against the British um, and I think this was like this was very much an Iranian move uh, like an anti-British move and I think that's why there is that kind of pro-Irish sentiment out there like there's a Dublin cafe um, in Tehran the capital so it is like the 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 embers of those fires are very much still alive in Iran um, and I think to go there without like to go there if you're on a kind of a different side so if you were uh from the UK or if you were American going there uh I would be incredibly hesitant about going there um uh, Iran was so but much Iran, fun. Iran as a country is absolutely amazing yeah so like driving into Iran I think it has been the hottest it's definitely the hottest environment I've ever been in terms of temperature hotter than even Qatar so we'd been um yeah in kind of I can't remember what the name of the place was the desert was, but I think it got up to it was either forty nine or like nearly fifty degrees or something, and it that I thought Turkey nearly killed the car. This nearly annihilated the car. Yeah. Like we met these uh, Dutch people on the rally, and we got out, and I remember seeing you know those bullet ants that run along the top of the desert when it's too hot. <laughs> they run so fast. I remember seeing a load of those, and I was like, it was so fucking hot. Like the car yeah. just smelt like you would not believe. And so you were we talking about late forties. Yeah. Like late forties, up around fifty degrees. Um, so being like we got to Tehran that Tehran that night. I've not that many pictures of Tehran, unfortunately. But we got there and um, we, I remember going back out to the car for something. We stayed in a random hostel and I remember looking out and there was these like young lads on mopeds, and I was like, Jesus, if there's ever lads who are going to rob the car, it's going to be them. I remember thinking that, mm. which was nothing like you know this. They weren't like hardened criminals. They were just like youths, you know. So came back inside or whatever. We went out for food, came, whatever, that night. 
we sm- someone smashed the window in our car and we came back out and um it was obviously the the moped gang like the uh the, the gang the biker gang like so they they robbed yeah. but what they ended up robbing was all of our modium which is um basically anti-diarrhea medication anti-diarrhea medication yeah. And we and had that, this... like the the first aid kit was legit. Like we were sponsored by a, a pharmacy uh in like my hometown. So we got a, a a first aid kit that was probably around two and a half grand worth of prescriptions in it. Um and just like open ended prescriptions, like yeah. everything you could mm-hmm. possibly imagine needing if one of us got fucking shot or something was inside in that. Like we had sachets of quick clot. <laughs> Which, oh, and like proper trauma drugs like and we uh, had like um we had this giant folding table but it was in like um what you imagine you know hitman would have when he's full mm. opening up his like his sniper rifle you know like those like the aluminium platinum, case a platinum case but it was huge so you would assume there's something very valuable in it and uh they robbed that but it just turns out it was just a folding table but they didn't know that and they robbed like um they robbed that the medical thing and Fitz's guitar which me and yeah. Todd were incredibly sad about, obviously. Um, it was so sad that Fitz's guitar was gone. You fuckers. And so they robbed that. And then your man was like, oh, your man in the hostel could kind of see the car, the thing. And he was just like, like they said they had cameras and stuff, you know. But we were just like, whatever. But anyway, the very next day, people, there was people like random repair shops and stuff. Um, gave us a load of free stuff to f- fix the window. You can actually see in the back, it's covered in like heat reflective tinfoil. So, yeah, uh, that like so it's ducting tape that really fucking high bond ducting tape. It, we basically made a back window out of uh plastic floorboards, that ducting tape, um some like sealant, and then uh super glue with a a kicker used on it. Just need to point out as well that Iranian people were the nicest people in any country. Oh ever my been. god! Just on like even people at the toll and motorways wouldn't take any money off us. They'd be like, no, 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 mm-hmm. you can just go. Um, no weightlifting in Iran. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see any cool gyms or anything. That would have been amazing. So next up, right, we we came to a country that, um, the I'd never really I knew nothing world. about. I was vaguely aware of its presence called Turkmenistan. Oh, any of the weightlifters will have heard of from the World Championships in the same year, actually. I think. And um, so we we. We're we're going. We've heard Turkmenistan is difficult to get into, and it's an odd culture. But we we didn't realize it was a totalitarian state. Basically, like there was a tyrant running it, and uh, so all forms of internet are blocked there. Like you can't, you know, WhatsApp is blocked, Facebook, Instagram, anything like any is all blocked. So we we, we get up. We find this kind of random border in uh, Iran, between Iran and Turkmenistan. So a lot of people actually choose to skip Iran or whatever for the four minutes reasons. But we were going through it. So we, we get up to the kind of the only border I think that's open between Iran and Turkmenistan. And uh, we're. So, so begins the gauntlet of paying the most amount of bribes you could ever possibly imagine. So we get up to the first security guard. And he's like. Uh, so he's like, my, main, my name is Owen Connor Murphy or whatever, you know. And um, I'll leave this on the screen. So he's like, he's like, oh, Conor McGregor. And you're like, yeah, whatever. And then um, so he's like, oh, yeah, you have to pay this fee to get in. So you're like, right, we know the shtick. Like, so you're paying a fee to get into the country. You know, you're paying for your whatever. Mm. So we had our visa or whatever, our note to get a visa from the embassy in the country. And um, we, we pay this fella. Then he sends us into this other office in there. 
and only American dollars as well, by the way. All they want. Their currency is completely yeah. useless, we found out later. Yeah. So they're like, your one's like, oh. So she gave us as a receipt, and it says like $100 on it. And she's, she types into the calculator $250 or something like that. And uh, Tad, in fairness to him, would argue with anybody over money just for the sake of saving money. Yeah. And so he, he was trying to argue with her, and she was just like, look, if you argue with people, you don't get in. Like, So um, we pay her that. Sit in the car, go through a load of checks or whatever. And they take the car away and we had to walk through. But Todd was technically the owner of the car because he was on the tax book. And um, so they take um, Todd away separately. And he has to meet like, he takes him into this room with this young fella trying to take a bribe from him. And Todd just flat out said, no, it's like I'm not paying you. And then he said, the young fella kept asking. Yeah. And he was just like, no, I'm not doing that. Then he took him to a doctor. And the doctor was like asking for bribes to make sure. So like what the, I think it said on papers that you had to have like a um a vaccine for something. I can't remember what it was. Or you couldn't yeah. get into the country. Yeah. And Todd was like, no, 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 I'm not not paying you. And then a third person tried eventually. And then Todd was just like, I'm not paying any of you. And like Todd came over and came back to us and he was just fuming, absolutely raging, like just <laughs> rage with rage and sweat and anger. Like, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So they like they. The doctor, the doctor had a full set of gold yeah, teeth. Yeah, just like sh- sheer <laughs> like corruption bribery was just like, just unbelievable. Like, and then, uh, so the, eventually we get through the border and um, we're just like, we meet this lone Iranian staggering back to Iran, absolutely hammered. And uh, so like Turkmenistan border, like, the, oh, by the way as well, right, they put a GPS in our car. Uh, it's what's plugged into the, uh, yeah. the cigarette lighter, you know? So there's like a GPS with us at all times and um, Ashgabat is the capital of Turkmenistan so it's just like it wasn't that far from the border with Iran so it was only like like half an hour drive or something like that and um, we'd been warned about the border before we got there but we were raw after it right and so we get into Ashgabat and it's all this like marble perfectly clean all the locals are perfectly clean and we're like covered in grime and sweat from like 50 degree heat in Iran and uh, we we'd just go look for some food um nothing is as it seems it's like a fucking what you call it it's like something out of like stepford wives or something it's just it's all a facade and so and so we had a load of american dollars hidden around the car and so we get to this um we get to this like burrito stand or whatever like and um yeah kebab stand and your man uh we had the currency rate or whatever and he, he he told us how much you know and so we gave it to him. We gave him. We only. We only. We gave him like a twenty American dollar note or something. And he looks at this, and his eyes just twinkle. He's like, they light up. So it should have been um, something like twelve euro for whatever we got, right? Say. So he runs off. He was like, I just have to get more change because I don't have enough change for you. So he comes back, and he gives us um, like a hundred dollars worth of their currency and I can't for life remember I have no idea what it's called so he gives us that right so we don't read it at the time we just take the cash or whatever and we're like fine so in the afternoon when we're like look counter up our money we're like oh that um that man gave us he's like he gave us way too much like we fleeced him you know and uh or we we like he gave us the wrong change he totally messed up John we better go back and give it to him but uh we couldn't find him again or whatever because he'd get, so he'd basically we'd give him 12 we give him we bought like 12 dollars worth of stuff and he gave us back like nine like a hundred dollars worth of change from their currency a, a, wedge. a wedge of cash and we were like what so then we went looking for petrol right in this entire capital city everyone's driving cars um we we eventually found um 
a petrol station and you can only get so much petrol we couldn't fill up our jerry cans and so we were like looking around trying to find the hotel to stay in find this massive and i mean there must have been a thousand rooms in this hotel like it was just mm. seven or eight stories enormous the size of the titanic and we go in and your one is like oh no we're all full up and there's nobody there there's nobody in the car park there's nobody in the hotel and there she's like no no yeah. no we're full up sorry and we were like what the fuck is going on and then uh we're driving around for ages you know and we start seeing this like chevrolet escalator or whatever basically shadowing us for ages yeah. and it, it turns out it was like secret police like you could see but they were just following us around anywhere we drive like we drove out in this ring road around the capital that's totally empty as well by the way and they're like yeah, eight lanes each side yeah like, huge tarmac he's driving and there's like he's like um there's this like chevrolet like just following us big blacked out windows like secret police basically just following us everywhere we go and so eventually we got petrol and then we drive up to the airport because we needed cash really bad, you know, because we had no, we wanted to get some conver- conversion because we thought American, you know, they're not going to take American dollars. And so we, we get up to the kiosk and there's this woman there. She's very good English, very nice local. And she's, um, she's like, uh, we were like, can we get some money changed? And she just looks at us and was like, she kind of looks around and then she leans in really close and she's like, oh, our money's no good. She was like, don't, she's like, we well, don't have any American dollars. Or she's like our country. Our country's in a lot of trouble. She was like, yeah. She was like, don't take any. She was. She was basically kind of like you fucking idiots. You not do any research before you came here, you know. And yeah, then um, yeah. she was like, don't take any. Um, she's like, she's like, we've nothing. Our currency's collapsed. Basically, like, don't take it, you know. So then, um, by the way, as well, remember going into the airport? We took off our boots and stuff because oh, you put them to the God. thing. And I'm not like the smell was unfortunate for all involved, and the security guards were like literally like. <laughs> They turned away from us. It was so fucking funny. If if ever there was a time you wanted to smuggle something into an airport, um, they're like perfectly white, marble, brand new airport that nobody goes into because there's no flights out of there. It's just like this facade. And they're going through the metal detectors. They're like, you have to take the boots off. And we're like, all right, buddy, but it's, it's your loss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so then, right, we, we get a hotel. And we we're sitting out the back in the beer garden drinking like some kind of lager or something for like fucking some kind of beer for yeah 20 cents a pint or something stupid. Uh, really nice eating food or whatever. And then at like 10 o'clock, they're like, all right, lads, you got to go. And we met some other people from the rally. Like, so they're like, you got to go inside, you know, there's another, or you just another bar if you want to go inside. So there's like a karaoke bar and uh, we go in, right? And um, obviously we nailed the karaoke. <laughs> yeah we nailed the karaoke so they so the, your man still served his points there was there was two plain hookers obviously outside the beer garden and no one had any interest in them to say the least right Jesus Christ and before we went in Fitz was just like I guarantee you the only two people in here is going to be those two hookers and yeah. it was it was the two of them and then so we <laughs> sit down and they're like you have to play karaoke if you want to be in here so or like grand whatever there's Fitzy this fucking bucko right was our best friend for the whole night and so we, yeah. we assumed you know that it was like going to be still like 50 cents for a fucking point you know and then we get the bill at the end of the night and it was like 50 euro to use the karaoke and it went up to like 10 euro a pint or something and it was just yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. god no one he just was so got fleeced absolute douchebag so then um yeah we jumped so 
we didn't but we were actually so annoyed we didn't go to the gates of hell we were just like fuck this country we yeah. were like they've absolutely fleeced us uh it was so just the gates of hell like for anyone who doesn't know is basically the only thing in turkmenistan that people go to see um and it's this giant hole in the ground so in the 80s i think it was they discovered that there was oil there and they were kind of digging down to mine it and an explosion happened um so it's now this big flaming hole and it's been burning ever since uh and that's a very good reflection of what Turkmenistan is like as a country. It's just a giant flaming hole of shit. <laughs> like we, when we went to get out of there, so we basically just hightailed it out of there. We woke up early the next morning, ate the weirdest breakfast in the world ever. Oh my and then God. We, we just hightailed it for the border. So I think we got out of there in around 48 hours. Um, We arrived at the Uzbek border absolutely grand we just had to pay a few bribes again to get out of the country we arrive like so you drive through the no man's land which seems to be very very common with all of the border crossings is that you'll get checked out you they'll do their searches when you're leaving uh then you drive like a, a few miles through like bombed out uh no man's land and then you'll come to the next border crossing uh and the, <laughs> they arrived at the Uzbek border. So straight away, everybody's around a foot taller. Uh, they're all in so much better condition. So like nobody's malnourished anymore. Um, and it's just these like three fucking 30 year old army guys. All of them like perfectly cleaned guns. They're all wearing those like, you know, the early 2000 sunglasses that are like the wraparounds, but they're slightly too thin. Um, so it's just like full wraparound glasses and they were like how you like Turkmenistan like half laughing yeah. half like half serious we were just like oh my god it was terrible they started laughing they obviously like so Uzbekistan's a little bit more um, they have their own dictator but it's a little bit more uh, freedom oriented uh, Turkmenistan or uh, Uzbekistan's very nice so this is just some random time Uzbekistan um, wait that's fucking video here um Uzbekistan was like one of the places where we ended up having one of the most incidental cool meetings of the entire trip. No, that um, was Kazakhstan. Where are you trained with Miso? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I thought you talked about the... Oh, yeah, we'll get to the other one in a minute. Oh, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. So we we went to like the main capital city in Uzbekistan. um, And... So to give you some more background of around other things that were happening at the same time, we'd originally planned to go from Turkmenistan to Uzbekistan, which we did. Then we were going to be going to uh, Tajikistan and from Tajikistan into to Kyrgyzstan. Um, but the day we were due to cross over that border, uh, or sorry, two days before we were due to cross in, there was a an ISIS terror attack um, where a guy basically drove over a group of cyclists who were like, on the same road we'd be going on uh, he drove over them and then stopped the car and went back and stabbed them to make sure they had all died uh, so obviously when we arrived in Uzbekistan we were like oh we won't do that well actually um, no so we found out so we'd obviously no internet in Turkmenistan so we got into Uzbekistan and our phones were just lighting <laughs> up with like messages from concerned family members and friends being like you're not going to Tajikistan are you and we were like oh yes oh yeah we're going tomorrow and then um, Todd still wanted to go we were like look there, we've done some necklace things in this right but we're not going to Tajikistan or whatever 
So a mm. uh, shout out to Gregor, right? So I messaged Gregor and I was like, any chance, you know, when you were training in Uzbekistan? And he was like, oh yeah, you can definitely go there. He was like, by the way though, um, Misa Asano is training there. So you might unfortunately run into him, aka like you, you might look like shit if you're not been training for the last four weeks. So this is Gregor from All Things Gym as well, by the way. So um, I it was my turn to get the dose of the shits. Basically, I had gotten a severe dose of diarrhea, but luckily in Uzbekistan we were staying for once in hotels. So normally we're just camping inside the road and stuff. And I lost like four or five kilos in two days. But obviously, when you're training with like a junior world champion Olympian when he's like seventeen, you're gonna make some effort. So. We are in the training hall on the Friday evening. The fellas were so nice. They were unbelievably, they were very, were lovely people. Yeah. They were like, yeah, yeah, no problem. You can train Gregor, set it up for us. Um, I could barely snatch the barbell. I just had to sit down and cry. Um, Fitz did a little bit of just messing around, just in this cool little gym here in the basement in their national federation. And um, I, I, would, I could barely stand up like from fluid loss, food loss, fucking <laughs> any kind of loss you can think of. Every mineral in my body was gone. And... Uh, so we come back the next day and I'm able to do a little bit more. And then in walks fucking the Miso. fucking Qatari fridge, Miso, and his father. And in the background here is this weightlifter, right? And I can't think of his name, but he's like so injured and they're just absolutely abusing him. Yeah, we've talked about him on the podcast before. Yeah, and uh, we won't reminisce of that. But um, he's like, Miso's training, whatever, get talking to him. Uh, Miso's like, oh, you're doing some squats tomorrow or whatever. And obviously like, I'd lost like five kilos and probably a lot of muscle mass with it. So they were like, oh, they obviously knew we were weightlifters, why else would we be fucking there? But then Miso was kind of like, they were kind of talking to us. And uh, I think at the time, Miso squat was like 285. And I was like, oh, cool. And they were like, what's yours? And I was like, 290. <laughs> and they were just... <laughs> the tone changed completely. They were like, what? It was changed so much. Like, I was like, you don't get this dump truck from nothing. Like, and then, uh, so it was so funny because I, I, at the time, I think it was a bit more than me. So yeah, he hadn't done 290. He hadn't done more than that yeah. yet or whatever. It was so funny because they they were so nice. Obviously, they're lovely people, like, you know. And then um, they were just like, oh, yeah. So then they were like, oh, do you want to come squat tomorrow? And I was like, fuck. And so uh, Miso was doing some squats in the morning. So obviously, I could I was not going to turn that down. So I came back the next day with them. Self and Fitzer training. We'd one pair of winton shoes, like Romeo trees, the shittest shoes in history. We'd um, frantically searched some... Um, the Uzbek pharmacy for some ace bandages so I could somehow not die and after four weeks of not training I managed to squat 225 in the back squat which I think is probably the most impressive thing I've ever done because considering the state I was in shook would be an understatement I'd say would it fits yeah like you were turning grey um, and like <laughs> I definitely wasn't in great shape you were in terrible shape <laughs> Oh, it would just been the worst time of the rally to be potentially absolutely annihilated yeah, and so yeah. yeah it was very cool um so there's the morning squats i wonder if my video of the squats is here i hope it is but um yeah so we just a little bit of training with me so um yeah i'm not sure why they picked us back then just somewhere different i suppose yeah and the people in the federation in Uzbekistan were really really nice as well you know um they were like all about us coming back to do like a camp there and stuff. Oh yeah, I remember actually. Yeah, um, yeah, they were like, if you ever want to come back to do a camp with some of your lifters or anything, um, which was very nice of them. Uh, like obviously yeah, yeah. pay for it, but it would be. Oh, I don't think I got my squat unless this is it. Oh yeah, here's two twenty five, and may or may not, I haven't trained in like four or five weeks, and I've gotten diarrhea. 
It wasn't that bad. It's not that bad. Um. Yeah, the worst shoes in the history of the world. I still have those ace bandages, actually. Yeah, I fucking lost mine. So then, yeah. um, Uzbekistan wasn't really that, there wasn't much else in Uzbekistan, was there anything else eventful? No. It's just... Not really. Inch, the landscape, obviously, is vastly different than anything yeah. we would have seen before. Like, very open, kind of steeps, I suppose, in some of Uzbekistan. Some mountainous stuff, kind of then. Um... So then we move on to Kyrgyzstan and Kyrgyzstan like, absolutely amazing. It's just all mountains. Like it's yeah. just so yeah. pretty. It's unbelievably pretty. However, aesthetically, it's probably one of the most amazing, shocking places in the world. It's just maybe this is oh, this is Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So this yeah. is uh, so right. Kyrgyzstan, right. We're fucking idiots. So they told us don't uh you have to take the ring road around the country. Um, but we were like, but you're the capital city. and we're there on the map. Yeah, we can just go s- straight across instead of going all the way around. So we drive like for most of a day straight through, the, kind of diagonally through the country. And um, we were like, we're making great time. We were like, this is unbelievable. Seeing scenes like this, no other cars. It's like, look at this, like, look. Yeah amazing we were like we're fucking flying it we were some we were in the himalayas basically some mad fucking amount above sea level and then um we get about we get to this the road just stops basically in the mountains there's just like no more road and this uh old fella who's had we met him on the way over and he was like waving at us really nice we were like talking shit or whatever and then uh they were like no 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 you can't go that way like you can't you won't there's no more roads you know we met some other people further down who live there so we turned around and we were like, fuck's sake, we wasted a load of time. And then <laughs> we come back to this old man and he is absolutely stocious. Locked. Like he is locked, like heavy locked. Um, By the way, right, at the same time, disaster had struck. Todd had contracted some form of just venereal disease. Like he didn't have the shits. He was just dying. Like he was so near he death. He probably lost like... 15 or 16 kilos in two or three days um he had gone delirious at this point so he is taking videos of himself uh this and this is one of those videos where he's like he's videoing him complaining but we're like oh even though this i was thinking of a different video but he's i don't have that one here thinking he's talking to somebody on the phone uh, he's fully delirious. He can't listen to us or talk to us anymore. Yeah, he wants to drive the car, and he's getting really aggressive. Because really he aggressive. Drive the car. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was so funny. It was so funny to see him in a point of such weakness as well, because you'd usually never see that. Like, we're not dramatic, but we were genuinely like Todd. We might have to take you to a hospital because you were like he. So one thing that was actually it was it wasn't sk- well. It was very funny at the time, I'm not going to lie, but he'd be talking to you and he'd like, he'd be like, so Dara, and then he'd like pass out and then he'd wake up again. And <laughs> like, I know we should laugh, but it was very, very fucking funny because he like, he was getting so angry. So he'd be talking to you and he'd pass out and then he'd wake up and he'd be like, let me drive. And then he'd like pass out again. Yeah. Me and Fitz were secretly like, oh, we're like, oh, we actually might have to take him to a hospital. And he was like, don't take me to a hospital. And we yeah. were like, we were genuinely like, I think it was the only time we were actually concerned for someone's life on the rally. Other than the time in Russia, which we'll get to in a minute. But um, this is just some random gym in Kyrgyzstan, in the capital city, which the name eludes me. Um, uh, is it... Oh, what the fuck is the name of it? It's not Tashkent. 
No, that was the capital of Uzbekistan. Oh, yeah. Um, so... Bishkek. Bishkek, that was it. it. Um, so these guys, there was like a wrestling and jiu-jitsu club just behind the corner here. There were some fucking studs in that jiu-jitsu club. Absolute studs. Like, yeah, they were clearly like, like in wrestling for a long time. Fucking thick neck, rounded upper back, just cauliflowered ears from the age of 14. Um, when they'd hit manhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I... At this time as well when we were training, um, the only bit of skill I have in any sort of lifting is being able to power clean 120 no matter what condition I'm in. Uh, and I just remember, I think this might have been our third time doing a training session because in this training session I was like, I'm going to power clean 120 for a triple because that's the only thing I was doing with training. The only progression I was like, I'm going to power clean it for one more rep each time I do a training session. Progression. Um, so then we we leave um, Kyrgyzstan and we get to the rolling steeps of Kazakhstan, like just yeah. literally hundreds of miles of countryside like this. Um, Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan as a country is about the size of mainland Europe, if not a bit bigger. Um, there's two cities in Kazakhstan. So you have Asana and you have. What's the other one? Um, Asana they both changed names now actually they're called something else but anyway you have a country at the bottom Almaty 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 Um, so you have a country at the very bottom which we crossed into first and then you basically drive the it's like you turn Europe on its edge and you drive the entire width of Europe Um, so it would be like going from Lisbon probably across to somewhere in Eastern Europe um, up to the second city and when you like you only kind of realise the the vastness of the country when you you cross into uh Almaty first I think or whichever one anyways down the south when you cross in there and we're we're talking to people like this is a, a a really well developed city it's like really modern um like first world country basically we're training in a crossfit gym there uh and when you're speaking to the people there we're like oh we're going to Astana and they're like, you're so you're going where? Uh, we're like, oh, we're just driving up to like your other city. And they were like, nobody drives there. Yeah, yeah. Like they weren't even aware there was a road there. Like I think one person in the gym had been to that city. And yeah, and he uh, was no, he dri- well, he'd been there, but he was like, he'd driven there once, and they were like, you driven there before? And he was like, yeah, it took me like two days. Yeah, it took him two days in like a fucking land or a Toyota Amazon Land Cruiser. Like, so this was Ireland Blackwood's CrossFit was what it was called. Uh, it was like the third story. Uh, myself and Fitz went there very cool very very nice people uh, one yeah. of the members of the national team or former members of the national team uh, trained there and he was like coaching weightlifting there which is how I'd, I'd seen it and uh, they made a joke they were like oh they were like come train the national other come join Kazakhstan team and me and Fitz were like ah, ha, ha, ha. and he was just like no really not joking <laughs> we were like fuck that so then um, we so <laughs> This is halfway between like Almaty and Astana. I don't know from where, to wherever we we're coming from, and this pristine lake, and we were like, "This is amazing." And so that night, um, we were driving up there, and like, this is in the middle of nowhere now. I think this is the farthest from any like proper city we were at at any point. And um, we, we, we <laughs> stopped. Oh my <laughs> god! So we get, we get this. Um, we're, we're driving along these like random lanes and stuff, you know, looking for somewhere to pull up for the night. And this seven series, like, or I don't know, it's like really old five series BMW, like, overtakes us, pulls in front of us, 
full of young lads drinking and we were like oh my god we're this is definitely and now we're gonna get murdered and yeah. then uh, they pull out and they were like oh they'd some a little bit english but then they're a little bit not like we're using google translate so then they're like oh we'll show you where the camp you know and they take us up to this we were like oh this is where they're going to murder us obviously and then um, yeah clearly so then they take us up to this place right and there's like a cement factory up here and um So we, we get up here, right? And then they're like, we'll come back later with food and drink. And we're like, please don't. But they're, they're like, oh, we'll be back. And we're like, okay, we'll see you later. And then, um, they're done again. <laughs> don't know what he's doing. So then, the, um, okay, so this is, or this is all we have. It's only just on the screen. So they come back that night and we've all set up our camp. And they're like, camp up here because the mosquitoes will get you down if you don't come up in the hills, you know? And they're like, don't swim in the lake. They're like, yeah, do they're not swim. They were like, don't go into the lake. Um, because apparently the cement also, factory just poisoned the water. Cement company. How fucking hilarious is that? Yeah, they'd like taken over or something. Irish cement had like taken over because yeah. they couldn't, they wasn't running properly or something. So the lads come back and they're like, oh, uh, we don't have enough food. And they're giving me like cherry wine and stuff. And then they're like, we'll go get more food. And then they're like, fits. They're like, you come with us, you know. And the lads have been drinking sorry, all day. They drinking, drinking while well. We were half locked. We'd been drinking for a few hours and like hanging out with them. And then they were like, yeah. But we weren't no. drink driving. Right. So then they're like, the fits. They're like, fits. You, uh, oh, they're like, you come, you can come with us, you know. And me and Todd were like, we were genuinely like, one of us is going to have to ring his mother when they don't come back with him and tell him what happened and explain why we didn't stop them. Yeah, so they take and what off happens the when they take you off in the car is like they're obviously trying to show off like the car they have. Um, so this is like their communal car from what I could see. And they're we're all drunk, right? They're probably more drunk than I am, but we're all drunk. And they're driving through the desert um, like on things that aren't really roads and they're just fucking flooring it. So probably like 95, 100 miles an hour lifting going down these tracks a guy pulls out in front of us at one stage and there it's like end of game everybody stops everyone's out of the car like abusing your man your man goes back and apologizes everyone back in the car again we drive to their house so you have to drive down like tr railroad tracks and then these huge metal gates open and you go into their house and they have like plasma tv but it's still like it's very very strange um so the guy is on the phone to his mother um, trying to figure out what, what meat to take out of the freezer. I'm being handed like random drinks and things to eat. Then we go to a shop. They get loads of stuff from the shop. There's like old people coming up to them, like shaking their hands and stuff. It turns out the people we had met were some sort of mafiosa uh, people. So when we were leaving the shop, I was trying to pay. And your mom was just like, oh, fuck, you don't pay like that's not how this works um and then they wrote their number on our car and they were like any trouble any trouble in kazakhstan you ring this number we're like all right um but yeah there was some hilarious characters there and so that was not the end of our no. estranged meetings in kazakhstan right so we're i i just what was i doing for most of the trip not taking photos of anything relevant by the looks of things so um we we are we're driving along the motorway and we're getting I think whatever the the northwestern city or whatever it is and we we're, we're on the way there and this uh woman like a fucking Amazon Toyota like Land Cruiser 
with a driver and she's sitting in the back like they they pull over like they drive they drive next to us and kind of wave at us or something and, and like it happened so much in the rally you didn't take any notice but then they're kind of, kind of beeping and stuff and we were like oh what the fuck so then they speed up ahead of us and they pull over and they get out and your one is waving us down you know and, or the driver's waving us down and she's like waiting there and um we're like oh what the fuck so then they, she turns out she's some kind of journalist yeah. or so we thought and she's like yeah. perfect english and she's like you she's like where are you from or whatever you know and uh we're like ireland or whatever oh and they're like okay she's like you'll come for dinner with me and my friends or something tonight we'll show you like the best beef in uh in in the world or whatever great Kazakh beef how good it is and we we're like right yo you like you just you don't say no to anything say so no when her fucking bodyguard has pulled over your car and she's sitting in the back of the car being like you will come for dinner tonight is that a, we we arrive up to this like very very nice restaurant beef kind of steakhouse whatever like but it's very nice and uh we put on our best uh dry travel gear and uh at the table is this kind of bondesque looking man with slicked back like long a mullet but it's like greased back like with 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 fucking um gel and then this old man other kind of old man he's older man um this dutch man and her and we we're like what the fuck is going on in here so it turns out the bondess villain sells uranium for a living he's a uranium dealer like that's literally his job kazakhstan export a load of uranium apparently to the rest of the world and this old fella is from uh he's dutch and he's like the head of kaz beef and he's, he's like, a consultant, um, basically, to set up their beef industry. Um, I think their beef industry over there is only around eight or ten years old. And this is the kind of guy they brought in to, um, to kind of head it up. And that's so he knew the woman we met. The woman we met basically had been an ambassador to Dubai for a few years. Um, and she was now kind of this, this figurehead for Kaz Beef. Um, and just no but incredibly interesting like that that meeting of of the uranium dealer um the international agriculture consultant and this kind of figurehead for kazakhstan as a country uh was just absolutely phenomenal it turned out to be the the dutch guy's birthday so we went to like the irish bar in kazakhstan and drank some horrendous pints of guinness um and then we we're supposed to be going to meet the minister the next day. She was like, oh, you must meet the minister of like whatever. Or was it the mayor of that city? It was a, it was like some really high up minister. And we were like, we were like, fuck it. We have to do it. Yeah. Like, you just don't say no to anything. Really. Like if someone tells you like you're going to do something. you're like, <laughs> Oh, this meeting at Wedge of Wasabi. So this is in the middle of nowhere eating the worst sushi ever because it's 4000 miles from any ocean. Yeah. I would obviously I dared Fitz to eat some wasabi. Yeah. Like I I just eat the whole thing of wasabi. Hoping something terrible would happen, obviously. Yeah, my face just went that fire. But yeah, so like those <laughs> <laughs> those kind of interactions are the reason you do this, you know. It's like the reason you don't go on your package holiday or whatever. Um and I think the thing of like the rule of just saying yes to things is definitely if you were to have a rule of thumb for the trip, it would be like say yes to these random things. Because it's very easy to be like, oh, no, we have to be here by a certain date or we have to we want to see these things that we've read about in a book. Like if you get those opportunities, just go and do them would be my biggest piece of advice. 
so um, we trained in that CrossFit. Ilya was training for a bit in, uh, I can't remember the name, but they were gracious enough. Your man actually was funny. He was like, oh, he was like, you train with Clarence, the owner of the yeah. gym. And I was like, oh, you sure do. And he's like, let me get you the Lico bar. And then I was like, well, that was handy. I remember they were like, this is the platform. This is the bar. And this is the set of plates that Ilya had done all the training on. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to miss 100 kilo snatches. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks, buddy. So this is so in Kazakhstan. It was just um, phenomenal. Like you don't get to see that much flat ground in Ireland anywhere. So it's a, a sheer novelty. And uh, they want the dust coming in. So then, right, this is, this is the point of the rally. We, oh, sorry. Oh, no. So we had to go through Russia. Yeah. So we went through Russia. Um, so there, we went into Russia once and we just kind of went around. Um, very une- So the first trip into Russia was very uneventful. We got to the border. Oh, no, we didn't. No, it wasn't uneventful. So we got up, we got up to the border, right? And this, this is us sleeping in the middle of nowhere. Sometimes we actually, we just slept in the car because we were so tired. Uh, yeah, and certain altitudes you were at. Like a lot of the borders out there, yeah, like a lot of the borders out there are very much geographical borders. So you'll have a country like Kazakhstan that's incredibly flat, rolling hillsides. And then when you get to the really steep mountains, it's usually either side of those is your border. Um, and I think this is actually the, Rus- the night before we crashed into the Russian or to Russia for the first time. So it's freezing cold because you're at a few thousand feet altitude. Um, Like there's snow on the ground. So you've gone from 40 degrees in the middle of the night a few weeks ago up to this really, really cold. Um, And yeah, this is us going to sleep in our sleeping bags in the car. So none of us are small humans. Like I'd say at this stage, I'm probably, or at that stage, I was probably the lightest of the three of us at 106 or 107 kilos uh so that's a lot of man meat in one car and then um we get up to the russian border from the kazakh side and this this bus is coming back across it and uh, we're just kind of sitting there waiting for our turn to there's it's a tiny border like it's literally like the middle of nowhere along like no one uses this border we'd chosen and uh this bus is coming back full of like kind of old people and i assume they went shopping or something like this and this man gets out and runs around right and i'm just kind of sitting there watching it like it's just you know you're just like what the fuck is happening he gets out really fast runs around opens up the the luggage compartment of the bus and jumps in and closes it down and we were just like what the fuck just happened there we're like what is going on and then we were like watching for ages to see if they find him because obviously he's trying to smuggle back in or whatever and obviously everybody saw like so the guards came over and the staff and the thing and everyone gets out and they're like hey and they're like ah, and they're like get in <laughs> But also, you have, like, the Russian police, like, at the borders are, they're, like, fucking Robocop. No, no, no. And they have, like, so the first, that border, they all had Alsatians, like, scent trained dogs, but they looked like attack dogs. The next one we went to, they had Springer Spaniels as their scenting dogs that they put, like, remember, they put it into the car and everything, scenting for drugs. Yeah, um... But yeah, like the first time we go into Russia, you're basically just going into Russia so you don't have to go through China. Like there's a little horn of of China comes up like into um into Kazakhstan, into Mongolia and into Russia. So you basically go from Kazakhstan up around the top into Russia and then we drop down into Mongolia again 48 hours later. Do you remember those really kind of obnoxious people we met? Uh, there are other like Westerners at the uh, Mongolia 
border from Russian side. No. I mean, they're like really judgy. Like, we were just like, oh yeah, we're just here for some fun. And they were like, yeah, they were, oh, I can't remember what they're on about. But anyway, so <laughs> we get to the point of the rally, we get to Mongolia, like it was just awe-inspiring. And obviously we were meeting a lot more people from the rally now again. So at the start of the rally, you see a load of people and then, um, yeah, then you all kind of split up. And then you kind of join back together again when you're heading back to Russia or Mongolia. So here is Mongolia and uh, just so fucking cool. Breathtaking. There's our boy Rupert. Uh, we met a lot of people from the rally, obviously, uh, some Australians. Uh, there's no roads as well, or they were just building roads like for the first time in a long, or apparently ever, like building roads, but they were like literally being built. You couldn't use them. So this is what most of the roads were like. Yeah. Um, there was like this road actually there was a few roads near the cities um, and that road is probably 40 or 50 kilometers long um, like from one end to the other and then you just run back onto your sand again so like that where you're looking at there um, it's like sand roads basically once that road gets worn away or once the ruts get too deep for each tyre people would just drive up on the grass next to it so you end up having these like 20 or 30 track wide um roads through the valley or wherever you're going um and you're trying to find the most recent one so it'll be the flattest so like we just find a random camp here mm. that was good fun camping with everyone actually so we met a lot of people four or five other cars from the rally and um we just kind of we just kind of decided we'd obviously everyone's on a different schedule you know and there's different kind of time points and everyone's people need to get back home or whatever <laughs> And at this point at this point you meet a lot of people on journeys as well like yeah um some are fun and some are not or some are yeah. obnoxious but anyway some people are soul searching and some people are looking for fun and i'll tell you which are more fun it's not the soul searching people so um what it, so obviously it was just a load of lads right in old cars in a country where you weren't going to be arrested for so of course, everything turned into a huge race, yeah, right? WRC. But not everyone WRC. had bought off-road tires and not everyone had grown up driving cars in the field when they were 12 years old. So if we got any kind of head start, <laughs> we were in the lead, like we were eating road. Um, like some of the lads in the rally just had never driven before and they just got their license before going to the rally. Um, so it was the most amount of fun. So like just there's literally them building the roads right and um but i think in our case like having a tiny bit more power is having all more power like you know having off-road tires which we kept like we put on the off-road tires when we were waiting to cross the border into mongolia um the we had the tweaked engine we had raised suspension so like those few small changes made huge a huge difference when we were driving in the desert then so yeah, I'll just play the slip. So this, uh, we were just talking about this a minute ago, this um, micro with some, uh, they were from the UK, I think. They're, they're... Oh, that's a Yaris, the Yaris that the airbags went off in. Their Yaris, their um, airbags went off <laughs> over a bump. And if you've ever seen a airbag go off, they were shook. Uh, so then we were literally just driving towards the capital city, um, uh, Ulaanbaatar or something. Um, yeah. I think that's how you say it I hope that's so like just driving uh, the week before as well there'd been massive floods that year apparently and they'd washed away loads of the dirt road so 
some of the roads that were there before weren't even there anymore so we just literally had to like and they were like oh yeah we've no idea if those roads are still there so yeah. you just have to fucking um and the amount of dust coming into the car was unbelievable um so just driving through uh just literally racing which was obviously the whole point of it uh some of the most fun was picking a road that you thought was the better one and oftentimes finding out that it was way worse and just seeing everyone get ahead of you or the opposite which was more fun so you'd pick you'd be like no no this is faster see like generally no one had any maps or anything there was no maps like because there was no road so it was just head <laughs> east essentially like don't find like go, go go in the direction of the capital city um because when you got to the capital city you went straight up to russia yeah so here's me. Uh, this is part of the Gobi Desert. Just doing a bit of... Is that you, Fitz? Oh, it yeah. is. A bit of hurling. Doing a bit of hurling. A bit of hurling. Uh, so I can't believe we managed to bring a slitter all the way. Uh, yeah. Like the... That's the... that Those few days of driving in Mongolia were definitely the highlight of the trip. Uh, just being able One to... One of many. Yeah, yeah. Being just being able to open up a car completely... And be racing against five or six other really shit cars. Uh, was unbelievably good crack. Um, just some more pictures here again. So if you're, if it's more, like, they're just huge open areas. Um, random houses. There was a field of boulders as well. Um, which yeah. was odd. There's the yeah. bear, the bear puppy with his mother. Probably for killing bears or wolves or eagles. Well, the wolves is the thing with the Mongolians that there's like kind of rambling packs of wolves. Um, and that's why they used to keep eagles because they'd hunt wolves with eagles and then that would kind of deter the wolves from coming in. There's also these, yeah, there's fields and fields. So every morning the eagles, they're golden eagles. So they're around four foot high when they're standing on the ground. So they're huge lumps of birds. Um, and what would happen basically is they'd go and they'd nest in the mountains, uh, like those ridges you're seeing in the pictures, they'd nest there at night. And then in the mornings, because the air is so cold, they wouldn't be able to fly. So they come down and they kind of sun themselves in the warm air um, down on the like grassland pastures. And then as the air increases, they'll uh, kind of start flying up again and they'll basically use the thermals as the air is heating to get up higher and higher. Um, and then start kind of cruising for the rest of the day. The, like, so how the race concludes is you drive to the capital city of Mongolia, uh, which is Ulaanbaatar. Then you take a 90 degree left turn. You head for the Russian border. And then a few hundred kilometers directly north of the capital city of uh, Mongolia, there's a Russian city called Ulan Ud. Um, and for some tax reasons and for some kind of general logistical reasons, the finish line of the rally is in that Russian city. Um, so you get around just less than 30% of the cars that start, it will make it to Ulan Ud. There's like a, a little archway that you drive through that's like, you finished the race now, everyone gets their pictures there. And then... Um, the people who've done the rally together, everyone's on a Facebook page and basically everybody goes to this Irish bar um, and you get locked for a night. Uh, I think if we had had more time, we probably would have stayed there for a day or two just to chill out a small bit more. Um, yeah, and then what happened was that Tuesday morning we woke up 
we got a shower we packed up some of our gear and then due to the time constraints so the same way girth was under pressure at the start of the rally so we had to miss a few days at the very very end of the rally and i mean by like three days he just had to get back for work um so, at, so this began yeah 1 p.m on yeah. the real race <laughs> this began the real rally the actual like i had to book flight i had to get back and the only flights that would get me back for work on monday were flights from st petersburg to london to london to Cork, yeah and we had to get them from tuesday to saturday but the length of the journey was the length of africa right so we had to get that by saturday morning just to put that in perspective yeah. so we had to drive russia was fucking amazing so i think there's some screenshots of some of the distance here so we're, we put into google maps like you didn't actually get google maps but it put in like oh you can't see the bottom of that so that's it's from ulan Ud to st petersburg uh, it was something like um fucking hell look at the hair jesus christ <laughs> so it's three days and six hours it's six and a half thousand kilometers uh so that's for a, a micro that had seen better days yeah and what we basically did was one person drove one person navigated and one person slept and then we alternated that um so you did two hour shifts and the car basically didn't stop except to put fuel in it to check the oil and the water and to uh change drivers for from tuesday at 1 p.m in the afternoon all the way through until saturday morning at five o'clock in the morning we pulled into st petersburg we had made a booking for this really fucking weird gnome themed hostel so like a garden gnome um so obviously girl fit fit what right in there because he could just walk in through the doors without having to crouch down <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we slept there girl's flight was 11 a.m i think if i remember right so we got three hours sleep woke up again at around uh half eight nine o'clock we dropped girl to the airport i'm sorry no right we've well, just skipped most harrowing part of my entire life. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry now. I'm I'm sorry. You just totally glassed over when I thought I was going to get murdered. Like, yeah. so we we were driving along, coming up to in the middle of Russia somewhere, coming up to a roundabout, right? And we so there's obviously broken white lines, and then a solid white line to stop you crossing over the road in front of a roundabout. And um, driving, I pulled into a petrol station. I barely drove over the solid white line. Uh, went in, got our snacks, came back out, right? And uh, just getting into his car and these two policemen with uh, AK-47s and like they had pistols and they were like standing there and they just waved, like, waved me over like this, you know. And they walked over to the car and uh, I was like, fuck, 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 fuck. I was like, fuck. we were all like, fuck, what the fuck, you know. Because um, we'd, we'd obviously, we'd bribe load of officials at border crossings and random places and whatever, you know, but we never actually, luckily enough, many people do get pulled over to the police, but we didn't. And um, so your man pulls us over and we have this thing, it's called like an international driver's license. So basically it's just your license to say you have a license in Ireland and it's written in a load of different languages. And one of the first ones is Russian and it's in like acrylic. And uh, I pulled that out. So you never give them your passport or your driver's license because they won't give it back to you because they know you'll need it. So you'll have to pay more money to get it back off them. So this thing costs us like a tenner. So I gave him this thing. And he's like, oh, bear in mind now, these are two like absolute cowboys both of them have several gold teeth um he's like uh mm, no ruski and i was like it is russian it says russian federation at the top or whatever and he's like mm, no ruski and uh obviously at this stage pig ignorance of this kind of stuff so i was like it's been done for like 10 minutes i was like no it is russian look it's russian there and then eventually he just stopped talking for a second and then um 
there's this big red brick building like just old Soviet building like it looks like it's abandoned and he backs me like this and tells me to come over <laughs> just me like and I, I, I genuinely thought now and I'm not joking you and I'm not being no bravado here I was like they're going to beat the shit out of me I was just I was like oh this is what's going to happen I was like they're going to beat the shit out of me um, and I was like obviously I can't fight back because then they'll just kill me so I'm just going to ask to get the shit kicked out of me and I was like right um Obviously, I couldn't run away or anything because they might shoot me. So I was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get mur- near murders here. Um, so I'm walking into the building with them. Turns out it's their police station. Uh, still didn't mean I wasn't going to get the shit kicked out of me, but it turns out it was actually their police station. And then um, a few minutes later, Todd is like getting all our bits and stuff, you know, all our documents. And uh, he, he comes up to the car, or he comes up to us, you know, and your man is like, uh, it's going to be. He's like like a thousand euro fine or something and we're going to take the car off you and at this stage we were so sick of this shit we just started laughing we we're like no 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 you're not taking off because we knew what was happening like they're looking for a bribe you know that's all anyone's looking for and then uh he was like oh. uh he's like i'm gonna have to write you he's doing this all on google translate now by the way so he's like playing it on his phone and it's really out in this woman's voice and he's like okay i'm gonna have to give you a ticket so and so he sits me down and he starts writing and he's like what's my name and stuff you know and i'm like uh, own Murphy or whatever give him my address like I don't give a shit like obviously this is not going to affect me like I'm not going to get this speeding ticket or whatever you know and then he's just trying to waste our time like he's writing really slowly or whatever and then uh, Todd goes oh can we uh, can we speed this up you know uh, he's got a flight to catch and your man is like puts down the pen and sits like this with his fingers steepled and he's like okay and then uh, can we Todd is like can we pay the fine now and your man is like you, yeah yeah, you can pay to find out. And then um, I run out to the car and grab a box of fags from Fitz and I come back in with a box of fags and we gave him a 20 euro note. <laughs> At first I was trying to give him a tenner, but he saw it at 20 and he was like, oh, so little. You know, and we're, suddenly he's English yeah. like. And then um, we gave him 20 euro and a box of fags and then uh, on and our merry way. out then like waving. Their the man is laughing. Like, he's big fat fuck of a friend with gold teeth <laughs> is just laughing in the corner like. And then, um, yeah, we made it back. Um, St. Sweeter's work uh, the most tired I've ever been in my life yeah we were wretched at that point uh, you're beyond any kind of <laughs> beyond any kind of normal feelings like like that morning we dropped you to the airport we were 100% we were like oh we'll just keep our bookie in the hotel we're going to go back sleep in the room for the rest of the day and then head off again Sunday um, and then you're just like you're so jacked up and your cortisol levels are through the roof and we're just like, ah, fuck it, we'll make it to Europe. And we crossed the border into Estonia, I think, that night. Or was it Latvia? One, we crossed the border anyway, got to a city, um, ate our body weight in burgers and fast food, slept <laughs> with chicken nuggets for breakfast the next morning. And I remember sending pictures of the chicken nuggets to Gurf being like, we get chicken nuggets finally. Uh, and then we made it home that Tuesday evening, so... We made it, basically. It's the first thing I got. Basie. I remember sending it to oh, them. Oh, you bastard. That's the Sentra in Inishannon. Is it? Is it? Oh, I don't remember. I don't uh, remember. But anyway, like, no, it was a local so thing. it was Tuesday afternoon until Tuesday evening, just a week later. We we ended up doing the France to the UK um, ferry and then the UK to Ireland, just purely because the French, those ferries to the UK run so regularly. Like there was one every hour a lot of the time. Um, so we we just decided that we faster 
and a bit easier. So we drew, drove across the UK in a few hours, slept in the ferry terminal, and I remember waking up in the ferry terminal the next morning, uh, that Tuesday morning, being like, holy shit, it's all over. Like, they pulled their car into the, the shed there to search it, and they were just like, we had these waterproof buckets that we had kept some stuff in, um, so like we'd keep like clothes and stuff in them. Uh, and your one just like asked me to open one of the buckets and she was just like what the fuck are you doing like there is just dust everywhere there's like pot noodles that have broken and sprayed across the back of the car there's everything smells bad everything is covered in five different types of sand uh so they just kind of waved us on again my only problem with the rally was it wasn't half long enough yeah and the fact that you can't go and do it every six months the only thing like you can never do it again like I would love to but you can never because you can't repeat the same like you just can't like it's just not something you should do is try to look for the same thing again Um, there's other adventures in mind obviously in the future and hopefully we can drive to Tokyo next year and stuff like that so, that's the next but, uh, that's I would the say, next big one if you're on the fence about if you've ever thought about doing Mung Rally um, I don't even know if you can do it next year now because I know the first time ever they had a limited number of tickets and they sold out. I think they've sold out. But yeah. if you're on the fence about everything, anything like this, or especially it's in this particular case, we can give you like I would say do this sooner rather than later. If you're in any way on the fence, if you think you'd like to do it, just go do it because I make it happen. I'd say it cost us about ten grand all told. Did it? Uh, I think it was just thirteen, just coming up to thirteen thousand. Between the three of us, like yeah. so, for between the three of us and we had sponsors as well. Um, the most fun you'll ever have and we raised like 5,000 euro for charity which is kind of an afterthought um, because you, you should really be doing big things like that for charity but we did it because we wanted to do it and the charitable donation was a nice add-on after that yeah I'd say like if you were in any way on the fence I would just make it happen find you, you know you have two friends you've at least two friends uh, yeah and I would definitely say three is the number like four four is too many four is too many in the way of like for making decisions uh like i think another probably my last point on this would be one of the weird kind of rules that we brought in was there's certain times when a decision just needs to be made there's either not enough information or we don't know the validity of the information to make the decision kind of rationally and someone just needs to say oh we're going to go left at this crossroads instead of right or we're going to stay here for a night, or we're going to move on for another 100 miles, and we'll drive until 2 o'clock in the morning. And how those decisions were made in the absence of good information uh, was you just had one person every day was the decision maker. So it would be like Gurf day one, me day two, Todd day three, and it would just alternate through those. And those decisions come up, like in the latter stages, those decisions come up on an almost daily basis. Um. And I would really, really recommend something like that. I just recommend doing the rally. Like, just go fucking, just go do yeah, it. Like, absolutely. I would just, you definitely have two people you know who are dumb enough to do it with you. I, like, you might not think yeah. people in your inner circle are dumb enough, but you definitely know two people. Yeah. Find a cousin or something. <laughs> yeah, family members would be that, but friends would be the best. But, like, yeah. you... You definitely know, I, I guarantee you, unless you're an absolute loser, <laughs> you, you know, yeah, it's possible, um, you know two people who will do this with you. And I would say do it sooner rather than later, because the more um, 
like the more Mongolia builds its roads, you know, and the um, the smaller the world gets. Yeah, like the um, the less corrupt places are, and the better the car you'll get, the later on you'll be, be, you know, the less fun it is. Like most of the fun is the hatchetness and the absolute mayhem and the you know potential danger and you know the the um, everything. Like you know, the the safer it is, the less fun it is. Really, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think we're just gone over an hour and a half which is good, a good weighty podcast. Like, the reason we kind of want to do something like this is obviously for our own sanity. Um, it's good to, like, chat through things like this as well, but I think every so often just have a complete pivot. If you hate it, just let us know. Um, and if you guys like this kind of stuff, like, if you're watching this on YouTube, pop it below in the comments. We really are trying to figure out what kind of content you engage with the most and, and enjoy the most. Uh, if it's a podcast, if you could DM us whether you like it or not like it, um, or even on the, the comments on SoundCloud, but just any kind of reaching out for us at the moment is the most valuable thing we could possibly want. Yeah, definitely. Like, we'll do, we'll, we'll make whatever. Like, And obviously we have idea, we had our ideas for today, like Fitz is saying, but um, this was one we promised to make a while ago and people asked for it. Yeah. So um, yeah. it's definitely worth it. So thanks for listening, stroke watching. See you all again next Thursday.